Welcome to Chapter 3 of Health System CIO's interview with Dr. Zafar Chaudhry, CIO at Seattle Children's. In this segment, he talks about why he was drawn to pediatrics and has always come back to it, what the U.S. health system can learn from European models in terms of community-based care, and the potential that digital health offers to transform the industry, if it's done right. The following Health System CIO podcast is brought to you by LK, a nationwide leader in healthcare connectivity. Decommission your legacy systems with LK Archive. All systems, all data, one consolidated solution. Retain 100% of your legacy data at 20% of the cost with LK Archive. For more information, visit lk.com. That's E-L-L-K-A-Y dot com. In terms of healthcare being healthcare, we treat patients the same way. There's more waiting lists in the European model than there is potentially in the US model, depending on specialty, of course. But in terms of quality of care, I mean, if you look at all the rankings, the World Health Organization does rankings every year. The publicly funded health systems still have very good quality and patient outcomes compared to any other system in the world. Mm -hmm. And the systems that we use, so Cambridge was using Epic. We did a big Epic implementation. Cambridge was using Oracle as an ERP system. We're not too dissimilar. So we use Lawson versus Oracle, but we're still using the same sort of vendors to provide those back office and front office systems. Right. It's interesting. And what was it about this particular opportunity that appealed to you at Seattle Children's? So previously in my career, I had been CIO at a pediatric facility in the UK, and that was, what, almost 15 years ago. And I've always been drawn to the fact that working in a pediatric hospital, every day you come to work, you know why you came. So when I was asked to interview here, and they flew me out to Seattle, it sort of rejuvenated in my mind why people work at pediatric hospitals. And a lot of times you come and work for people. So here what I found is our organization is led by a pediatrician, so he understands and he's completely focused on on patient care. And the whole senior team was very energized around what we do for children in the Pacific Northwest. And so that excited me about I'd like to be part of that journey if I can make a difference, if I can come and have an impact from the areas that I'm specialized in. So that's what brought me to children. Right. And this was the first position you had uh, in the U.S.? No, I, uh, I spent 15 years in the U.S. in the early 80s. I did a lot of my clinical training at University of Illinois and did startup work and hospital work in the Chicagoland area. But okay. because I grew up in the UK, I, I went back to the UK in 2002 to take up a CIO role and then stayed in those type of roles. I've also worked at Gartner, so I've traveled the world and done global healthcare for them before I landed back in a CIO role. So I've tried to balance my career between different health systems so that I can mm-hmm. learn also been on the vendor side versus the acute care patient provider side and learned a lot of lessons along the way. It's quite interesting to watch how healthcare is delivered in different parts of the world. And there is no secret source to this. When you look at culture and you look at people, everywhere you go, it's slightly different. So if you're working in the Middle East, 
there's a lot of money in the Middle East pumped into healthcare, but do they deliver projects better than anyone else? Well, not necessarily, because in, in a team of individuals, let's say in IT, their challenge is they'll probably have people from 70 different nations working in the same team. And so that diversity causes issues sometimes. You have to learn about different people before you can work and gel as a team. Whereas if you're working in the UK, the predominant mix of people isn't from 70 different countries. It's probably from just a handful. And so they yeah. work differently together. And here when you come to Seattle, the Pacific Northwest and how their culture is is slightly different than what you would find in the European model. And so you have to sort of flex your, your leadership style to try and understand that. But you find that that brings challenges and benefits. Right. One thing that I find pretty interesting is that there seems to be heightened interest now in the U.S. Speaking to, working with other countries to see how they're dealing with the same challenges. And I think that's great to see because it hasn't always necessarily been the case, but I feel that there's more interest there right now. And this, I think, could only benefit both the U.S. and other countries. Yeah, I think why that's being driven is, is all around this value-based care model, right? Mm -hmm. So in the publicly funded health systems, be it Europe or Canada, they've been doing value-based care a lot longer than they've been doing it in the United States because money's always been scarce and the volume of patients continues to go up. So you really, A, want to keep the patient out of an acute care facility if you can. So there's a huge focus on primary care services, which seems to lack here in the United States. Mm -hmm. But keeping people out of hospital keeps your cost down and keeps them healthier in general. And so right. as you see U.S. organizations trying to shift to value-based care and learn from that global model, you're also seeing us as health systems shifting that care out of our hospitals. So I'm seeing that trend, and you probably talk to lots of people saying that as well, but people are moving care outside of their walls. We don't really want the children to come to our emergency room as the first port of call. We'd rather treat them in the community at primary care or urgent care and keep those volumes low because the cost of treating someone in an emergency department, it's just so much higher than it is right. in, in other settings. And that's why we have these clinics in different states, because we're trying to take care of those chronically ill children before they actually end up in hospital. And I think that's what brings the cost of healthcare down. And the UK is a good example. I mean, they've had their national health service for 60 plus years. And the focus has always been community-based care first, and then hospital-based care if needed. Now with technology parachuting into all of this and you've got wearables and you've got remote patient monitoring and you've got telehealth and telemedicine, those are all avenues that people are using now in the United States to keep those patients out, out of hospital and keep those costs low. It's, it's always cheaper to deliver care via virtual visit than it is physical. And it's quite interesting because when you survey patients and say, you know, how do you feel about coming to a hospital? The number one complaint patients have is parking. Mm. So, and it's really hard to provide parking if you're in the middle of a busy neighborhood like we are in Seattle. We always lack parking. So if I can keep those patients happier and out of the situation of trying to find parking and feeling stressed, then my patient family scores, engagement scores will go up. 
it's interesting to see what really does drive people and the things that uh, can prevent them from getting the care they need. I think it's, it's such an interesting time right now as we're seeing technology play a larger role in, in improving the care experience. Yeah, I think this whole digital health stuff is a very exciting time if we're good enough to truly embrace it, right? Mm-hmm. So we've got to start looking at mainstreaming and also reimbursing for these types of technologies, using the data that we have more effectively to make better decisions. And, and more so now, this dominance of voice applications, right? That seems to be the next trend that I see coming along. And we, we, we recently ran a, a pilot here with Alexa Voice around a oh, flu. Okay flu immunizations. So we worked with Amazon, and it would make sense because we're in Seattle. We programmed Alexa to work in our outpatient clinics to ask the questions if people had questions about flu immunization. And it was quite interesting to watch uh, children engage with Alexa and parents to ask questions about the flu shots because we want everybody to get the flu shot. And even yeah. our, our own staff, we want them to be 100% with the flu shot. What was also very interesting about voice technology is kids are more familiar with using that than probably someone of my age. And, and they were very quick to find out that they could get Alexa to play Christmas music instead of answering <laughs> questions on flu immunization. Sure, I guess that's, that's the downside. <laughs> that's the downside, yeah. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. Are there plans or hopes to do more with Alexa going forward? I think voice technologies in general make mm-hmm. sense for us to explore how they can be beneficial to the patient, with, of course, the limitations that that has. But I, if you look moving forward from 2019 to 2020, I think the whole concept of voice application, more use of artificial intelligence for decision-making, these robotic process automation practices to take what you would call standard work and try and automate that are all things that we're in healthcare, I believe we're going to start to focus on and that will help us drive down costs. Right, okay. And the last thing I was gonna ask was how it was adjusting to the the Seattle area. I mean, I've been there to visit and I liked it, but how was that adjustment for you? So it's very picturesque here in Seattle, and what I find really interesting is people ask me that question a lot, but the good news for me is the weather's the same as the UK. It rains, <laughs> it's <true>. cloudy, <laughs> it's cloudy and wet. And so right. for me, it wasn't a shell shock to arrive and say, oh, it's raining. It's sort of a misty rain, and we get the similar effect in the UK. What I would say the, the bigger difference is the summer here is... It's, it's more humid in the UK in summer than it is here in Seattle. Mm-hmm. In terms of the city itself, I mean, I came from Cambridge. Cambridge is a small city, quite crowded. Seattle is a small city, quite crowded. So I was used to the traffic. Right. But it's interesting to see the culture. There's a, there's a lot of mix of different cultures here than you would see in the UK. There's more folks from sort of the Hawaiian Islands and more Indian tribal folks here than you would find in Cambridge in the UK. Right. But overall, it's been, a, it's been a very good experience. The teams here have been very welcoming to that focus on patients and patient yeah. engagement. Uh, so, so far, so good. Okay. Well, I think that, that about covers it for now. If I have anything else, I'll follow up. But I really appreciate you taking some time. It's, it's been very interesting to hear about 
the work that your team is doing. And, and I hope we can catch up again down the road. Absolutely. I appreciate your time, Kate. Great. Thank you. And uh, I'll be in touch soon. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.